0: Let's pray before we begin. Lord, please let us understand Your Word and put it in our hearts. May it shape our lives to be more like Your Son. In Jesus' name we ask, Amen.
1: God has a divine order for every institution that He has founded and in every era of society. That order is that one of us leads the rest of us. That does not mean that that leader is the best among the group. It means that he is the chosen among the group. God has planned it so that, that a, a country should have a king or a president, a state should have a governor, a city should have a mayor, A home should have a father, children should have a father, a church (coughs) should have a pastor. Now, again I say, I do not claim to be, nor do I think for a moment that I'm the best Christian in this room tonight. I could take off my shoes and my hat and bow at the feet of many of you, whom I think are among the choicest Christian people in the entire world. But in God's providence and in God's will, he chooses one of us to lead the rest of us. The Bible tells us, as the the apostle wrote one of his letters, I think it was a letter to the Philippians, but I won't go go into it. He mentions the order (coughs) of the church. He mentions the pastor or bishop and the deacons and the people. And that's all the organization that God gave to a New Testament church, pastor Deacons. God never started finance committees. God never started uh, uh, flower committees. When I first came became pastor here, it took five people, seven days, to put petunias on the communion table. Had to meet two or three times. Uh, God never is never, uh, interested in that. God is interested in pastor and people. I'm sorry, deacons and people. Our brother, Dave, uh, Larry Loser, one of our young men, is having trouble in his church. I've mentioned it several times. The trouble is caused by one thing, and that is they've lost the divine order. They want to make it deacons, pastor, and people, or deacons, people, pastor. But God's divine order is that there be authority, and that authority in the Bible I'm not saying that a pastor is a dictator. I am saying that the pastor is the, lead, the spiritual leader of the church. And uh, a while ago, we read where, where it says, uh, Obey those that have authority over you who have communicated or taught you the Word of God, and uh, respect and honor and so forth. Now, I have no problem along that line. If any church in the world has, if any pastor in the world has loyal people, I have them. I am the envy of every fundamental pastor in America because my people love me and because my people follow me and I have no problem along that line. But I do want to talk to you tonight about what I owe you. And this, uh, this you'll, these are biblical truths and scriptural truths though I do not plan to take time to go into the scriptures. Now our church has grown an awful lot. Uh, somebody asked me while ago in my question and answer session in an early hour what are you writing now? What, what book are you writing now? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm writing almost nothing now, and the reason is I don't have time much to write anymore. We've added so many things with the nationwide radio broadcast, with the uh, college and all of the, the intricacies of the college, with the high school and the junior high school and the two grade schools and the program, the spring program and fall programs and traveling every week and counseling, 84 counseling sessions a week. I've averaged now for almost two years, a year and a half, 84 counseling sessions every week. And with 26,000 members on our roll now, uh, that's um, uh, that then I'm saying that, that I have had to face in my own ministry, some priorities. I preached last Sunday night on priorities, and I've had to face it. I had to come to the realization I could not do what I did. when We had 1,500 members, and no college and no high school and no junior high school and no grade schools at all, no nationwide radio broadcast. I had only written a book or two. I came to the conclusion I had to choose what I felt God wanted me to have as priorities in my ministry. And I want to tell you tonight what I think I owe you and what uh, I think you owe me. I just call your attention a few of them. The first thing I owe to you is this I owe it to you and I plan to pay this debt. I owe it to you as your pastor, no matter how big the church gets, no matter how many duties I have, no matter how many responsibilities I have. yesterday morning, yesterday morning, alone, between seven forty five and noon, I counseled with two school teachers we're considering hiring. Interviewed two school teachers. I had a wedding, a reception, six appointments, picture taking for the wedding. I had folks waiting in my office to talk to me, and I'd, I'd go have the wedding, run back and have a counseling session, and then run back and pray for the reception. Nobody can pray but me around here for receptions. I have the most beautiful reception prayers, and uh, so uh, <clears throat> I. Uh, And then I'd run back, and I'd say, folks, we meet meet in the auditorium in a few minutes to take pictures. I'd run back and have another another appointment and meet with that one while the folks were gathering here to take pictures. Run back over to take pictures, and that's the way I lived. Did you ever see one of these programs on television? I used to see them. Uh, Of course, I never watch it myself, but when I visit Brother Vineyard's house a few times, I've watched uh, programs like this, and I'm not going to tell him what you said tonight. I wouldn't dare tell him. But uh, because I would not want Brother Vineyard uh, folks to know that he said he was considering staying home and watching the replay of the Indianapolis Speed Race on television. I I would not say that at all because he's too fine a man. I'm sure he wouldn't do that. But uh, anyway... uh, (coughs) I uh, ever see one of these programs on television, maybe, where a fellow uh, forgets and he has two or three dates at one time, and he has one gal over here at one table and one gal over here at one table, and he goes over and he orders with this one and says a few words, I, pardon me, I've got to go to the restroom, but the restroom is a table across the room where the other gal is, and he's, that's sort of the way I live all the time. Now, no matter how busy I get, doesn't matter how big the college gets, doesn't matter how big the high school gets, and I interview myself. Every teacher that we hire for the college and the high school and both grade schools, every one of them, and if you every one of them, and, and uh, I approve everything that goes on. I mean everything that goes on, I approve it. I don't go out to the schools much, but I know what's going on. And if there's something goes on, I don't approve it. I go on the telephone and I say, "Hey, I didn't approve that now." And uh, I, why? Because I'm obligated to you to be sure that I'm the bishop and overseer. Of what your investment is. But I'm saying, <coughs> no matter how busy I get, how big the church gets, I owe you, number one, I owe you this debt. One, of having a pastor who walks with God. Now, I owe that to you. That's number one. I owe you that debt. And I promise you, I'll pay you that debt. I promise you that I'll walk with God between Sundays. I promise you when I walk in the pulpit on Sunday that I would have been with God during the week. Listen, this is a big operation around here, folks. Do you know this year, it'll t- this coming year, we'll take in probably $4 million? This is a $4 million corporation around here now. This, and we, we, we must, we must, we must, we must have the hand of God upon all we do. And I promise you, I'll walk with God. Somebody said to John Wesley one time, said, do you pray two hours every morning? He said, yes, I do. And this fellow said, I have too much to do to pray two hours every morning. Mr. Wesley said, I have too much to do not to pray two hours every morning. I promise you, I owe it to you, I owe it to you children, I owe it to you teenagers to have a pastor who walks with God. And I promise you to pay that debt. In a motel, motels across this country I think about you time and time again at night. I mean this, 12 and 1 and 2 o'clock in the morning. I'll be walking up and down the motel corridor. Or maybe outside, walking up and down the sidewalk outside. And I'll be thinking about you. Uh, The little boys and girls will be asleep and I'll be praying for God to bless the little boys and girls and for God to bless the men who are tired who have worked at the steel mills all day, many of you, and you're tired and weary of body. And I'll be walking up and down at night while you're sleeping, praying for God to give you good rest and trying to get the message from God and trying to walk with God. I think of you so often. Tonight, I, I look around this building. And so many of you have burdens. I know you do. I've talked with you. Your heart is broken. I think about a man right now tonight. He doesn't know what to do about his health. He, uh, he can't work because he has a serious health problem. He doesn't know what to do. And he has more, I won't go into it. I won't even describe it. You may know who it is. But uh, all over this room tonight, there are people who have burdens. You don't know, but I do. And I promise you this. If there's ever a need in this country, if this country has a need, God's people need to, ha- need to go hear a man of God every week who has walked with God during the week. I've said this before, i say said it again. If you've got to drive 50
0: miles to church every week to hear a man who lifts you closer to God and has walked with God during... You do it! You do it!
1: And don't you ever, don't you ever move out of town and get transferred to another town unless you find for sure it's the will of God. And be sure there's a man who walks with God that your family can hear preach Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. Oh, the need of walking with God. I am... When I... Uh when I start to preach on Monday night across the country, every Monday night, I, pre- I begin preaching on Monday night about eight 8.20 usually. And that's about the time little boys and girls go to bed here. And I'm so warmed and thrilled when I stop and realize while I begin preaching, little boys and girls are praying for Brother Hiles. And men whose hands are, are, are dirty and whose arms are heavy are praying for Brother Hiles. And while I'm preaching, uh, thousands of people here in this area are saying, Lord, bless our preacher tonight. And uh, so many people say, the Hiles, we pray for you every night. And may I say, I do the same for you. I never put my head on the pillow at night without going over this area and praying, God bless this one, and thinking about those in the hospitals, and thinking about those who are in the rest homes, and thinking about those who are sick, and thinking about those that have burdens. And I know, I know, I know, I pray for a hundred of you at least, different ones sometimes, by name, every night before I go to bed, I promise you, I want to be God's man. You know, Brother Wardway, when I became pastor of a church, it was a very serious thing to me. Oh my! I looked at the first letter I got, Reverend Jack Hiles. I thought that's the prettiest thing in all the world. I looked up there on that sign. Said said that Jack Hiles, pastor. I was pastor of a church. I wouldn't want to be an evangelist. I'm, I'm sorry for the boy. I'm glad God has evangelists. I wouldn't want to be an evangelist. I wanna. I feel sorry for you fellows that that have to leave after you after you go somewhere. I want to watch them grow up. All oh, yesterday morning, little Shirley Nugent. God bless her. One of our little bus kids who has grown to be one of the sweetest, most charming young ladies you'll ever want to meet. And there we were up here on the platform and there was Shirley. And I, and I, said, I said, Lord, I'm not going to cry. I'm not going to do it. I just blubber all the time. I'm not going to cry. And so I thought about Willie Mays playing baseball. And try to get my mind on something else. I thought about Brother Fish. That makes me mad. I don't want to. And uh, don't feel good about that. And uh, and uh, so I, uh, I, I, I try to get my mind off of it. Uh, but I couldn't. I couldn't. I couldn't forget when the little junior girl came to my office one day. I couldn't forget. The trials. I couldn't forget how she'd come to church alone. I couldn't forget how she'd stood for God. I couldn't forget how she'd been a sweet, dedicated Christian, and I couldn't forget how we started. Howls Anderson called it. She didn't know how she was going to go, and we prayed and prayed and gave her a little job here, and uh, and uh, and and she married a fine young preacher boy, one of the finest young men we have, and I got to thinking about it, and I got right down to where I pronounced the husband and wife, and then I just started slobbering and snorting all over again and uh, I, uh, I wouldn't want to be anything but a pastor. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't. Why? I love to see them grow up. I was thinking about Pam. God bless Pam. I was thinking about what a pretty little girl she was. Shame for it after grow up and be a woman. But uh, what a pretty little girl she was. And all through the years what the Wobers have meant to me And how in the early days here when Pam was just a little girl and we had the the fuss we had over here and the battle. And I said, I said, if you'll give me a chance, I'll show you what kind of kids will turn out. And if you'll give me a chance, I'll show you. If you'll give me one generation, I'll prove it to you. And I thought about Pam at that time. Sam was the only a little girl, four or five years of age, in the beginner department. And now she's a lovely young girl. Uh, she didn't choose a very, I think she chose poorly in choosing a husband. But, uh, and, but anyway, <clears throat> now, lovely young girl. I wouldn't, I, mean, I wouldn't trade it for the whole world. I love to pastor. And I take it very seriously. And I promise you, I walk with God. I do. I'd, honestly, I mean that I'm not a good Christian, but I walk with God. I, I'm, not a, I'm not as good a Christian as some of you are But I mean it I mean it I mean it Night after night Wherever I am I take time I don't mean 10 minutes I don't mean 15 minutes I don't mean 30 minutes I mean I walk with God And God knows it And I promise you That when I walk from that door to this pulpit Sunday morning and Sunday night I may not preach a good sermon And I may not be the best preacher in the world But I promise you You'll have a man standing up here Who's been with God through the week Oh you need it You deserve it Time and time and time again, I'll be somewhere across the country. And I'll think about those dear men that work in steel mills out there. And in the most undesirable condition imaginable, I think about it and I say, Oh
0: God, they have a right
1: to come to a place on Sunday where they can, can hear a man who's walked with God. Tonight in this room, there are three or four people I know who have what the doctors say is terminal cancer. In this room tonight. Don't you think I don't love you? And don't you think I don't pray for you? And don't you think I don't beseech God on your behalf? There are ladies in this room tonight. In this room tonight, there are ladies who will be beaten when they get home by big baboons. Pardon me, ladies. I call your husband a baboon, but yes, I do too. By some husband, will take a take a, a whip tonight, and he'll uh, uh, or maybe even take some kind of a
0: of a of a. Of a uh, a a bell, and he'll lash his wife's back. And there are ladies in this room tonight who go to bed tonight sleeping on their stomach because their back will be bleeding where some husband is beating the wine
1: because they came to church tonight. That's the only sin they committed. Their sin is coming to church. Their sin is loving God. Their sin is loving the Bible. Their sin is trying to rear their children to be decent Christian people. I know what's going on. And I know your burdens. And I know your heartaches. And there's some folks in this room tonight who have children who are wavered. And you tried to rear them right. And you thought you were. And you don't know where you slipped up. You don't know what happened and what caused it. You don't know where they are. There there are couples in this room tonight who do not even know where their, their teenage daughters are. There are
0: couples in this room tonight
1: who don't even know
0: what state they're in. There's some wicked professor or some wicked... A schoolteacher shook their faith in this book and tried to sell them on the wicked life and the mod kind of hippie life. And out in sin they went. And away from God they went. And away from home they went.
1: Tonight sitting in this room, there are hearts that are just about to break in two. And I know it. And I know it. And I say, I owe you. I owe you a pastor who walks with God. I say again, number two, I owe it to you to love you. I owe it to you to love you. I didn't love you for the first 16 months. Oh, I loved you like I was supposed to, like, you know, I loved everybody. But I wouldn't love you like I ought to for the first 16 months I was here. Brother Joe, when I left the Miller Road Baptist Church, I thought I'd die. Absolutely thought I'd die. And and my heart was crushed, and I didn't want to live, and I didn't want to come up north. I didn't like Yankees! But to show you what a wonderful, sweet, Christian gentleman I am. I think I'll be able to like them one of these days. But, uh, but I, uh, I love Yankees now because my bread comes from their salary. And, uh, but I, uh, I didn't want to come. I'm sorry. I didn't want to come. I said, let me walk in the fields. He said, no, walk in the town. I said, there are no flowers there. He said, no flowers but a crown. I, I quote that once a month to keep vineyard from going back to Virginia, and uh, <clears throat> and by the way, if I go four Sundays in a row and don't quote it, you'll know I want you to go back to Virginia.
0: <clears throat> but but
1: anyway, I didn't want to come, and I left my heart. Honestly, I left my heart in Texas, and I said I'll never fall in love with people again. I won't do it. I I can't go through this again. I I'd wake up in the middle of the night. And crying and, and, and saying,
0: I've got to get to this.
1: I recall Francis Knoll, my deacon chairman, was in the hospital. And I woke up in the night crying saying, Francis, Francis, I've got to get to you. And I, I said, I can't do it. I can't do it. But I, after 16 months here, and by the way, you check our records and you'll find our growth started about 16 months after I came. One night, I flew back to Texas. Nobody knew this. 2 o'clock in the morning, I drove out. I got a rent a car and drove out to Miller Road Baptist Church, where I pastored for almost seven years. It's where I grew up in the ministry. All the people were mine. I'd won most of them to Christ. And I got a key to the building. And I went to the Benny Building, named after, by the way, named after Jim Benny's father, who was pastor before I was there, started the church. And I went to the Benny Building, and I got on my knees at the very spot where I preached my first sermon there. And I had a funeral service. And I said, dear God, I'm going to bury this church tonight. I'm not, I can't live here anymore. I can't keep my heart here. And I came back. And God knows this is true. The love that I have for you people tonight is so much greater than I ever have for those people. It's as different as daylight and dark. That's like I said at that colored church where we were preaching. <laughs> Tuesday, morning, uh, Tuesday night I was preaching. And I said, there's as much difference in this church and my church in, in heaven as
0: there is in daylight and
1: dark. they started laughing. I didn't know what was going on for a while. <laughs> Last night, one of our young ladies in her late 20s now came had an appointment with me. She grew up in our church. When I became pastor here, she was a little 12-year-old girl. And I used to have time when the church was, was smaller I used to have time to spend with the kids like I wish I could now. And uh, I hadn't talked to her personally for a long time. And last night she had to come for an appointment about something. And I was so glad to see her. And I enjoyed talking to her so much. And when she left, I felt like my heart was lifted with joy. You know why? Because I love you folks. I don't know why. You're not pretty. I love the little children in the nursery. I love the teenagers. You may not think I do, but I do. God knows I do. I love my deacons. Nobody ever had greater men to work with than I have. <clears throat> I kid about it, but I love these men on the platform. the Fisk, if you recall the day we hugged goodbye when you went to California... I love these men on the platform, my dear fellow workers. I love the couples. I love the men and the women in the church. I love the senior citizens. I love you. I love those who are in trouble. I
0: love those of you in
1: sin. I'm simply saying I owe it
0: to you to love you. And God, listen, I mean it. The church is big. If we had a hundred members, I could visit every one of you every week. I
1: can't do that. If if I had a 30-minute appointment with every member of this church, it would take me five years to go around. Now, I know. I know I cannot do that. But I can love you. And I can pray for you. And you know, I sit up here on the platform so often, and you see me writing. I'm making notes of somebody that I'm praying for. Or somebody that I love especially. Or somebody that I want to turn out right. I, Brother Fisk, I was thinking the other day about your children. My, 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 how they've grown. And uh, what fine children. And and last Friday morning, out out at the Hammond Baptist High School, when some of our kids made the National Honor Society, I just rejoiced and rejoiced and rejoiced. And I came back to my office and I thought about it coming coming back. How, how proud of you I am, and how much I love you, and how I thank God for you. And uh, so I owe it to you, and I promise I'll pay it. You don't, you don't get maybe, by the way, you get more time than most people get. But maybe you don't get as much personal attention. But there's nobody more loved than you are. I owe it to you. I promise you I'll pay it. I uh, owe you something else. I owe you, to ha- I owe you the, the privilege of having a man of God who has wisdom. I'm not a smart man. I'm not a ten-talented man. And I'm not by nature a wise man. But I learned how to get it. And I, I promise you, I'll try to seek the wisdom of God. I pray, I pray for three things every day. Power, love, wisdom. Those three things every day. Here's a, couple, a lady comes to my office. And forgive me, but that's what she said. the Hiles, I'm 28 years old. I've never had a proposal of marriage yet. I got one this week. Now, Brother Hiles, I can't say I love him, but he is a man. (laughs) I will not say it is the best chance I'll have, but it is the only chance I've had. And uh, (laughs) she said, Brother Hiles, I want to be a wife. And I want to be a mother. But the house I've always dreamed of having a little cottage somewhere. And I've dreamed of having my own children.
0: And I don't know whether I ought to get married or not. I, I think I love him. I, I don't know really what love is all about, but I think I love him. But it don't matter how much I love him. And he doesn't really send me.
1: After you've been married a few years, he won't to send you. But,
0: uh, <laughs> but he doesn't really send me. But, uh, but I, I don't, I, but House, I'll, I'll do whatever you say.
1: Now, you, you, sit, you sit there and try to figure out what, you answer that. You answer that. <laughs> uh, you answer that. Uh. And so I, I say, Lord, I've got to have wisdom. I've got to have wisdom. And uh, here comes a man, he's in this room right now, and he's having a tough time financially. And he, I said, Mr. Wally, he's not well. Came to my office last week and said, Pastor, should I have surgery or not? I'll do what you say. I'll do what you say. Somebody needs wisdom, don't they? Somebody needs wisdom. A couple came to my office last night and they said, uh, yesterday and said, we want to get married. We want to get married certain, certain time. And I said, well, what date? They said, brother well, the house, we won't ever get married. You tell us we can. If you tell us to wait four years, we'll wait four years. If you tell us to wait two years, we'll wait two years. <laughs> the other day a fellow came to office, and, and he said, "Brother uh, well, the house, I heard you. I, I know what you want. You think going away, we, we, we uh, get married, we get out of college. And uh, he said, okay, I'll wait. I said, how old are you? He said, 27. And I said, uh, when you graduate, he said, in three more years. <laughs> and he said, I'm going to wait because I know that's what you want me to do. I said, Good night. If I were you, I'd get married right away. He said, Woo! <clears throat> you know, I got to make a friend along every once in a while, too. You know. <laughs> I do not have the wisdom I ought to have, but I promise you, I'll try to get it. And I promise you, I'll take, I'll take seriously your. When I counsel with you, a boy came in my office and he was crying one time, and he said, "But I, it's awful." It's awful, 14-year-old boy. I said, "What? what is it, your mother mother dead? No, but it's awful. Oh, it's awful. Oh, what's wrong? Oh,
0: it's awful. It's
1: awful. It's awful. Good night. Your father okay? Yeah, he's okay. But it's
0: awful. It's awful. It's awful.
1: It's awful. What is it? Did the
0: house burn? No, no. Worse than that. It's awful. Worse than that. It's awful. It's awful. What is it? He said, the girls don't like me.
1: Now that is awful because I went through it for seventeen years. <laughs> Come to think it, I've been going through it forty seven years. But that boy has a right to have a pastor who loves him and takes seriously what he says. A perfect right.
0: I owe you love. I owe you
1: wisdom. I don't know how many how many times I I I'm I'm worried tonight. Well boy, hey boys. Hey, we're talking. I'm worried tonight about some of you kids. I have a bill on my desk right now for nearly $11,000 that I'm paying out of my own pocket and having to raise somewhere or other to pay the tuition this year for poor kids who can't afford to go to school. I've got two or three kids right now. I'm not going to pay their tuition because they're 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 not shaping up. And they won't get their port cards, this, this, this either, because, because they have not earned it. They've taken the money that I've given out of my own pocket and tried to raise and taken, taken uh, beans off my plate. And I have paid their tuition. But I'm not going to do it for a bunch of slothful rascals that don't even know how to behave and don't know how to appreciate it, don't know how to act. But I'll tell you one thing. When you come to my office, I'm going to skin you. And as, uh, and I may spank you. I, I start spanking in the office. I spanked Ed Rouse just the other day. <coughs> but I start spanking in my office. If you parents don't let me, I'll paddle them. I'll do it. I'll do it. And, uh, uh, and I'll paddle you. And I'm ashamed of you. I'll tell you what. When you leave my office, I fall to my knees more times than I don't. Say, oh, God, do something with him. You don't, look, you don't, take a, you don't go to the hospital and look at the window and pray for a little baby through the window. You don't walk by the nursery as Ms. Lanoue brought her baby by this morning. And uh, Bob Billings brought uh, their little girl by this morning. And uh, I looked at them and, and uh, loved them a little bit. And you don't say when they walk away, oh, God, I'm pastor of that baby. And I'm the only pastor that they'll probably ever have. And that baby is going to probably live right or wrong according to what those parents do and what I do. Oh, you don't do that. And then you don't you don't uh, see them as they come by and say, hello, Brother Hiles. The little girl still says, happy birthday, Brother Hyde. Her mother taught her to say, happy birthday, back on her September 25th. Write, write that down, September 25th. Don't forget that. <laughs> write it down! Take notes on my sermons! But uh, anyway... Her mother told her to say, happy birthday. And every time she sees me, it's happy birthday, Brother Hiles. This morning she saw me. Happy birthday, Brother Hiles. Every Sunday has been a birthday. since September 25th. And one thing about it, she's in good practice for this September 25th, I'm not even sure. uh, But uh, you love them. And uh, and they come and study, and they're scared coming in Brother Hiles' office. And they practice walking. And And they... Shake hands. Maxine, how are you going to do that? Sure. You didn't see it. And, they're talking, and they, they walk up. <laughs> one, one young lady the other day came to my office, and she was so nervous. And so she had to all practice what she was going to do. And so I have a, I have a sofa, and right beside the sofa there's a, 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 an end table. And on the end table there's a lamp. And she came walking in, and she wanted a picture of grace and charm. And so when she got up, she said, It has been a joy to see you, brother. I'll, you know, like turn turn on a machine or something. But she had practiced it so, and so she stepped back so gracefully, but she didn't miss the table. And so she knocked the lamp over on the floor. And then she sat down on the table where the lamp was. And there she sat. Uh, on, on the, and uh, the lamp behind her. But then the table is sort of shiny, and so she, she couldn't get back up, and so she fell off backwards off the table. And there she was, um, there she was, uh, off the table, with, with her head on a lamp, and the, <laughs> looking up at me, and she said, I didn't do so well, did I? <laughs> now, <coughs> you don't, uh, <coughs> You don't pray for them, and counsel with them, and hope, and start a grade school for them. The other day I was out at the school for a few minutes, and the little grade school children, two or three classes, were walking. And, oh, my, biggest thing that happened, I guess, there's was Brother Hiles. there's Brother Hiles. And, they wave, and I waved at them, and they, I had to wave at each one of them individually and separately. And I got some sweet little notes today from them, how glad they were to see Brother Hiles out at the school the other day. You just don't do that for 15 years. And then see them going to sin lightly. No, you don't. No, you don't. There's another thing I owe you. I owe it to you to do what I can to save your nation. Now listen for a minute, and this is one of the things I want to put in focus tonight. I don't travel across the country because I like to travel. The truth is, I've, I've, I've taken all trips I really care to take. I've slept in all the motels <clears throat> I care to sleep in <clears throat> I've, I've, I've flown all the airplane rides I care to fly When I see a plane coming over I, I feel like I'm going to run I feel like it's a buzzer that's going to come down And get me and carry me off Or something, you know I, uh, no, no I, I don't travel because I love to travel I travel because for some reason I do not know why But God has given me the ear Of preachers in this nation I don't understand why I'm no R.G. Lee, Lee Robertson, Bob Jones, or John Rice. I do not, honestly, I do not even begin to comprehend why God has given me the ear of preachers. But listen, this nation's going to hell, and I've got to do what I can. And tomorrow night I'll be in Winston-Salem, and God will give us probably a hundred preachers in the service tomorrow night. And I'll be pleading in Winston-Salem. And last week, you know, Brother Vineyard, I pled with those, is it pled or pleaded, or plod or plod? Anyhow, I did whatever he's was supposed to do with those black preachers up there, trying to
0: find a black preacher who will
1: set the pace and,
0: and set this black country on fire for God. And, and the, the 20% of our population that's black, somebody ought to do it. And if we save America, somebody's got to reach the black folks.
1: And I'll be, the next week, I'll, I'll be out in California, and I'll be doing the same thing. You know why I do it? I owe it to you to do it. It may be that my son Dave will be taken off to prison. And unless something happens in America, he will be. He will be. It may be that he'll spend much of his life behind prison bars. It may be he'll be taken away by the communists and his life will be taken he may die a martyr's death. And by the way, if he did, I'd be the proudest father that ever lived. If he's willing to, 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 to die than to, than to yield his convictions and quit preaching the truth. But I, uh, he may, it may be. It may be that uh, Becky and Lyndon Cindy, Becky is married to a preacher, and in Lyndon Cindy's case, the prospects are rather bright, I think, that they'll get preachers. If not, they'll they'll get men maybe, I I hope. But uh, it may be that they're preacher husbands. It may be that Becky someday will hear the knock on the door, and she'll go to the door, and they'll grab Tim and take him away. It may be that he'll be taken from the baby and the one she's expecting. And it may be she'll wonder where he is, and they'll take him off to prison somewhere, or they'll take his life. It may be. It may be that someday those doors will open back there, and in will come the armed, armed people. Young folks, listen to me. In will come the armed people, and they'll come in, and they'll take me off to jail. It may be that they'll take all of us on the platform put us in prison somewhere. It may be these sacred doors will be closed forever. It may be. I know this much. I know that Dr. Jack Van Amphys said that my name is on the list of of the the first ten men the communists would kill if they took over America. He's seen it on the communist list. If that happens, and if our church doors are closed, And if these boys and girls don't have a a decent Sunday school to go to and they don't get to have a gospel invitation. And if
0: America's gone, God forbid, but if it is, I
1: want to be able to look at my boy and say, Dave, I did what I could. Becky, I did what I could.
0: Lyndon, Cindy, I did what I could. Teenagers, I did what I could.
1: Sure, I get tired. Don't feel sorry for me. Just pray for me. Sure, I get tired.
0: a golf course sometime. We should play
1: around. I don't have time. There's a preacher that needs me. And by the grace of God, we're making a few dents in this country. Listen. Did you know in practically every city and village and Hamlet, and Brother Boyd will tell you this is true, and these men who travel will tell you this is true, you'll have a hard time finding a town in America where there's
0: not somebody who's preaching this book and winning souls and fighting the devil who's been
1: influenced by the ministry of this church right here. Now, you'll have a hard time finding a town that doesn't have somebody there. And I've, I've so often, lately I've said, Lord, don't let America, just give us enough time to the, we reach the crisis. Enough to, listen, I was thinking about all of our preacher boys. Tom, Tom Smith, pastoring a church in Georgia, the fastest growing church in Georgia, had 1,500 Sunday school last Sunday. Seventy-some-odd people saved. I, re, I recommended Tom to that church. Tim Smith, pastoring a fast-growing church up in, up in uh, um, Michigan. I recommended Tim to the church. Terry Smith. Pastoring the fastest growing church in Texas, I recommended Terry to go to Texas in the first place to a church in Texas. Dave Loser over here at Tinley Park doing a fine job. I recommended Dave to that church. Tom Allen out in Des Moines, Iowa has a great church, big church. And I recommended Tom to that church. And Bill Watkins out in, uh, in uh, Nebraska, I recommended Bill out there. John Vaporizan up in Michigan, I recommended John up there. And on and on I could go. I owe it to you to try to save this country. I want these girls on the front here to have a, have a free country. I want these little boys over here. God bless these boys. I want these boys over here to have an America like I've had. With the jewel this morning, I, got to, I was preaching last night. I was thinking about dear Dr. Rutherford and Proctor Boyd, your brother. God bless him. And I was thinking about Sam, Governor Sam, with it, one hand, you know, and one arm. And I, I preached about him this morning. And I was thinking about those dear people. And all the, the rearing that we had and people that loved us. And I want these boys to have the same thing. I want them to have a church like this. I want them to be
0: here on this corner. I want them
1: 25
0: years. In the night our Lord does not return. 25 years I want them to be a red hot preacher. It may be me or somebody else. stomping and hollering and spitting
1: and snorting. And preaching the gospel of Christ. And calling sinners to God. And seeing this altar fill. And there can be if we'll give ourselves to trying to save this nation. I owe it to you. I'll just simply say a few things in passing. I owe it to you to preach this book. I owe it to you to exalt the person of Christ. I owe it to you to warn you of sin. But now you owe me some things. I want to just list them quickly. You owe me first your loyalty. Loyalty. You owe me second your love. You have no idea what the little notes the children write mean to me. The other night, one of our girls grew up in this church. Married and has her own family now. She waited for 45 minutes outside my office door just to give me a fresh glass of carrot juice. I'm not saying I want you to give me stuff. I don't mean that. I want you to love me. I want you to pray for me. I want you to pray for God to give me strength. To help save the country and stir preachers. You owe me your love. You owe me your understanding. Now listen to me for a minute. The only way I could give any more time is if there were more hours in the day or more days in the week. There's not a person here that gets less sleep than I do. Now, I'm simply saying... There are going to be times where the Colston's going to have to do. I know he's not much, but he's all we've got. I mean, I I don't want your sympathy. I want your understanding. When I give it all of God, I want your understanding. I also, you owe me your prayers. I believe our best days are ahead. The vineyard, you and I. He he put on my 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 desk uh, tonight. His his outline, how we can average seventeen thousand in Sunday school next fall. <laughs> I'm going to have to fire him, or I'm going to have a heart attack. You may not you may not realize this, but Jim Vineyard and I are thinking in terms of. Twenty-five thousand someday. <laughs> what you gonna do then? Would you believe thirty-five? <laughs> huh? You said
0: unthinkable.
1: Yeah, so was thirteen. I stood up here one Sunday night. We're averaging about four thousand in Sunday school, and said we're going to average ten thousand in Sunday school within five years. Four psychiatrists with the office door waiting on me. Because after I'd said what I said, I called them. Honestly, I went
0: back and I looked in the mirror in my restroom, off my office, and I said, What did you say, you fool? And I said back to me, You said 10,000. I said, That's what I thought you said, you idiot. Now what are you going to
1: do? And I said back to me, going to have 10,000. That's what we are going to do. I believe our best days are ahead. I was thinking tonight, I'm 47. Be 48 September 25th. (laughs) You taking notes on that? (laughs) Now, I was thinking, I've been here 15 years. Brother Ray, if I've been here another 15 years, I see 48 and 15. Let's, let's 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 talk about something else <coughs> I'll be sixty three but you know how I feel tonight? I feel stronger, no joke. I feel stronger, more optimistic in better health, work harder, can do more, like it more, preach louder, and preach longer. I think you'll test that fact. Feel
0: stronger, feel better, can do
1: more work, and anticipate the future more than I did when I was 32 years old. and came pastor of this church here. I, I just, I just decided to reenlist for another generation. You don't know how many how many parents bring their babies by my office and see where the house. Stay till she's grown. Stay till she's grown. There's something else you owe me. <laughs> You owe it to me and your family to build your pastor in the minds of your children. You will be sorry forever if you don't. You go home and say, I wish he wouldn't preach so long.
0: I'll declare he tried, I wish he wouldn't holler so loud. It beats, bothers my eardrum.
1: Well, just wear your mufflers and come on. Now, you do that. I don't mean you you don't like me. I mean you just sort of pick, pick away. And your children hear it. Now, listen to me. They hear it. There's going to be a day in that child's life when Brother Hiles may be the only hope for that child. If you have said, do what the preacher says, and by the way, you will never beat that sentence to say to your children, you must think you're God. No, nope, but I think I'm closer to Him than most of the kids in the church, and I think I know more about what the kids ought to do in their life and in planning their future than the average person would. No, I'm not God any more than the doctor's God. Doctor Streeter, I suppose somebody came to you and said, uh, "Doc, I need an examination." The doctor took examination, what you need some penicillin. He said, "I don't like penicillin." do you think you are, God? No, the truth is, doctors make mistakes too, but they know more about, about uh, curing your health problems than you do. Now, you'll be wise, you'll be wise, and you'll have problems. Listen, listen, practically every child in this church that has serious problems, not all, but practically all, there has been some breaking down of the child's confidence in the pastor in the home. And I say this also, you ought to trust me. Trust me. Now may I say very quickly, what do we owe God? We owe God to give him everything, everything. Thank you for listening and if you like this, please subscribe and consider liking my Facebook page and joining my group. Jesus answers prayer.